You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. So, Roger, let me take you back to 2012 when a group of film production companies got together and promised us the most chilling ghost story of our time. I'm talking, and you and I are going to review and talk about The Woman in Black. Yeah, the most chilling ghost story of our time. Maybe of our time, probably not of all time. Uh, I think we've reviewed a few ghost stories here on Two Geeks, which might claim that accolade. But it's a while since I watched this film, Pascal, so I specifically watched it last night in preparation (laughs) for this episode. And I think it is pretty damn chilling. Um, it is definitely atmospheric. It has definitely got a couple of mega jump scares in it. Both me and my wife, <laughs> even it's probably the third time we've watched it, jumped out of our seats again at least twice, maybe three times whilst re-watching it last night. And it it's, it does one of those things that I just absolutely love in these sort of ghost period pieces in that you sometimes have to take your eye off the actor and the character and watch what's happening in the background of the scene to see doors opening or to see shadows flitting across mirrors or to see uh, dolls turning their heads. And if you go into it with that sort of mindset, you know, you, it, these films do bear multiple watches because you can, you can genuinely see all these things going on. So, yeah, I watched it again last night, and we deliberately waited until it got a bit darker um, because the clocks changed on, on um, Sunday, so it was a bit of a lighter evening. And as it got dark, I, I, I actually sat there thinking, you know, this is actually pretty good. I think that it probably is one of the most chilling ghost stories of our time. I would agree. I've seen this movie several times now. I mean, as soon as the the um, you know DVD Blu-ray was out, I bought it. So we went to watch it and uh, the cinema with with Denise, and I jumped and was you know essentially uh, you know tense all the way through because it was so superbly crafted. And also, what was interesting for me, and I, I wanted to spend a moment to say, I was a bit nervous about Daniel Radcliffe. I was nervous about whether me as a film goer and and watcher could get past the Harry Potter <laughs> thing. But of course, with, within moments, I forgot all about Harry Potter because, frankly, Daniel Radcliffe is an accomplished actor. And as we've seen since then, he's done you know other movies. But for me, the reason I went to sit is, of course, because I was excited about the potential return to form of Hammer Film Productions. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, just before I talk about Hammer, I'll, I'll acknowledge Daniel Ratcliffe. It, it was a great performance. I mean, there, there is a scene in the middle of the film, and, and, and just to give a quick background, he, he plays a character called Arthur Kipps. He's, he travels to an a isolated manor house to do some paperwork for a deceased family. And it's, a really, it's one of those scary uh, <laughs> English remote country towns, you know, with villagers who are all suspicious and 
and scary pub landlords and scary um, butchers and stuff like that. And there's one scene in it, Pascal, where he's exploring or, or trying to find his way around this manor house at night. He's on its own. And I wish I'd actually done it. I'd actually timed it. But I reckon it must have been about 25 minutes long of him searching through this house with the jump scares, with the, all those things going on in the background. And because it's just him, there's no dialogue. And it's genuinely scary, genuinely suspenseful. And part of that is because of he, all he has is his expressions. You know, there's no dialogue at all. It's just his expressions. And that is the sign of a good actor. And, and yet, yeah, this was the return of Hammer, wasn't it? The, the 1960s, very much revered horror series of films, which brought us Dracula, The Mummy, Frankenstein, you know, made massive, massive stars out of Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and, and people like that. And, 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 and I think they've managed to capture some of the gothicness and, and the mood, the darkness of those 1960s Hammer productions, but obviously brought them up to date with modern techniques and modern filmmaking and modern effects. And I think it was really quite clever. Now, I've not read the book, um, I must confess. I've seen the play, which I will share in a moment, but I thought, you know, just this thing of happening, you know, taking place in 1889, the travelling into, you know, horse-drawn carriages, you know, all the symbols of the, all the films you know I've enjoyed or suddenly enjoyed or got scared by, um, you know, watching the horror movies. So, of course, you know, other companies such as Alliance, Cross Creek, and the UK Film Council got behind it. So this is a British production. It took place uh, using natural venues in, in the UK, but also sets. And again, the choice of the costumes, of the, the set designs, the music again, and all those creating this atmosphere. And of course, for those of you who don't sit we're not going to tell you what happens at the end. But needless to say, you know, the curse of the woman in black, you know, going to a place called Il Marsh in a house. I mean, just a name. I'm saying, ah, it's okay. I'll take another job if I was Arthur Kids. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, what was interesting doing the research for, you know, film marketing, I did not know, but actually when the movie was submitted to the uh, British uh, Board of uh, Film um, Council, you know, the BBFC, and they have to be rated, they had to actually take some scenes out and reduce some of the music because it was deemed to be too scary or been given a, a greater rating. I didn't know that. Yeah. So is the uncut version the version that's on the DVD and Blu-ray? I don't think so never because been released? that's still a 12 or 12A, and ah. there is a version that would have been a 15 and you know, people thought, no, if, if it's a fifteen, you know, it's like with the financiers, they worry that people are not going to go go and see it. So I think there there's other scenes that were deemed to be just a little too scary. Uh, and indeed, the, the many claims to fame of the film not only is it one of the biggest, you know, and highest grossing horror film for Hammer film production uh, of some time, but also the most complained about films in 2012 because it was too scary. That's a good. Gosh. That's a good bit of PR, isn't it? Absolutely. We complain because the movie is too scary to the BBFC. Yeah. No. I mean, it, yeah. Genuinely, genuinely was um, jump scares, and and as I say, all those funny little things going on in the background, faces in windows, shadows going across mirrors. I mean, sometimes they, wow, that was very clever how they managed to do that. I'm sure I didn't see that the first time that I watched it. 
the uh, there is a scene which hopefully I'm not revealing too much. You know, when he's asleep at the kitchen table. Do you know uh-huh. the one? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, at the cinema, you could hear people just wincing and almost trying to say to um, you know Daniel Radcliffe that Arthur Kipps, please wake, wake up, up because <laughs> there's something behind you that uh, in a way you, perhaps you don't want to see, but uh, you can't stay asleep. And it was just so well. It was almost you know playing to all our fears. You know, going around this derelict ancient building with just a candle, which could essentially be extinguished at no time by by a draft and just a land you know the marshy land but also of course the curse of the locals you know saying to Arthur Kipps you know you're going to cause trouble here we don't want you around we don't want you snooping around you know this house and so on and one of the things that really struck me when I was watching it is you know and this this motif appears in lots of um, scary movies and ghost, ghost stories in particular and that is old-fashioned toys and dolls oh yeah what is they, it about that, those things honestly i know i mean you've got you've got the old-fashioned dolls with the with the eyes that go up and down <laughs> there's always some sort of monkey bashing symbols together they need to stop and, that and, and you just think i wonder whether back in the old days when those were genuinely toys for kids whether the kids of the time were just scared crapless by these toys that they had or whether it's the fact that we now look back on toys like that and we've made them scary. But in fact, in those days, those toys were just absolutely joyous and cute and cuddly and the kids loved them. That's something that's always interested me. Likewise, I always think whether, yeah, those kind of mechanical toys or automation, yeah. I think they were called, there was something just weird for the people because they came alive for, for a moment in time. But mm-hmm. yeah, 1889, the, the, maybe the early days of electricity, the early days of obviously you know some of the um you know record players and and so on so maybe technology was kind of creeping into people's lives and it was just unsettling for them and and deemed to be just um unpleasant but there's always yeah a monkey playing the symbols that in those horror movies and <laughs> it's just almost like as soon as you see one you go oh here we go it's going to start to play without you know being essentially you know touched by by anyone so you know interestingly there's, there are always critics, aren't they, Roger? We mentioned this actually before sitting down to record film marketing. But people say, oh, well, you know, it's by the book. It's, it's almost like someone walked around with a clipboard and a checklist and please do that because that's what you know, ghost stories have. Well, I don't have a problem with this. If you're going to make, you know, the most chilling ghost story of all time, you've got to put everything in there to make it obviously something that not only we've talked about, eight, um, you know, t- nearly 10 years later, but also won all the awards. And, and to this day, it's deemed to be the most successful ghost story of all times. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I wholeheartedly approve of it. So, oh, sorry, go, Roger. Yeah, there was a TV series recently called The Haunting of Hill House, which has quite a lot of similar tropes and motifs in there. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan of this genre. Mm, absolutely. Shall we talk about marketing? Yeah, yeah. So number one, what I liked about it was, you know, the tagline. What makes things complicated? The tagline was a question which was addressed in the audience and almost suggesting you might have to watching the woman in black do you believe in ghost question mark was the tagline which i think is inspired yeah i mean you can you can have an entire conversation in the pub around that question can't you and most people would would have a very animated conversation so that's a that's a joyous tagline because it creates interactivity doesn't it straight away absolutely love that 
And they, they must have had one of the first Facebook pages ever created for a film as well, I guess. Well, about 2010. You know, you and I have always been rather critical of the lack of, you know, um, social media activities or sometimes doing just the essentials, but not actually being particularly inventive. And what I will say is that on this occasion, and you're going to help us re remind ourselves of the many activities on social media, but this is a movie and a team that has gone behind social media properly. So yes, they launched the page in July 2010, which is essentially during pre-production mm -hmm. and releasing a few you know snippets as you would and and kind of letting people know about what was happening but really it came you know it started to come alive leading up to the release of the movie in the spring of 2012 and from there i think we've got really quite a informative and, and inspirational um, teaser campaign and social media campaign if you don't mind going through some of the items with us yeah i mean there was the usual trailer or a cinema trailer and teaser posters and stuff like that. But starting in February 2012, we had three featurettes on their U they had a YouTube channel. So they were talking to the cast and crew, uh, retelling a cast classic ghost story, behind the scenes, making of the film, that sort of thing. There was a, there was a competition on Twitter. I mean, Twitter was only launched in 2006, wasn't it? So this was, okay, six years into Twitter, but still not that many campaigns revolved around social media at the time but the competition was for a chance to win limited edition hammer film posters there was other uh, interviews that you could interact with james watkins the writer jane goldman and daniel radcliffe of course and and you know it, they, they started building all of this stuff daniel radcliffe took over glamour glamour magazine's twitter feed for right. example which i thought was quite interesting um in march there was more teasers. Did the woman in black make you scream? Download Hammer Film Scream app to record Brilliant. some more. Scream app. <laughs> uh, you know, give us your thoughts on women in, woman in black in one sentence. See how the original strapline, Do You Believe in Ghosts, was interactive. There's a real thread running through this about how interactive it was. Before the film, they were teasing you. After the film, they were saying, did it make you scream? What were your thoughts in one sentence? You know, in May, again, there was the ability to tweet questions to Daniel and get him to reply to you. Wow. Um, and can you tell us what happened in the next scene? Um, and, you know, this went on for months. You know, June 2012, um, he, he's running a ghost story competition on youtube that daniel's involved with as well and this carried on all the way through to the end end of the end of june when they released the dvd and the blu-ray so yeah you know there's been a few films recently which have been a little bit further in the past and therefore the marketing was probably limited to traditional posters and traditional film trailers but this one was super interactive i love the interactiveness of this it really did suck you in. Uh, I think that's why uh, I was so pleased you reminded us because this is where film marketing as a segment of, of the podcast worked for me because it's a source of inspiration thinking, so what have I done 
pre-production to you know let the audience know that it's coming what am i doing what has been released and how am i keeping the conversation going for weeks and months now i i accept that you know someone writing a blog post or doing a, a vlog video won't have the impact and, and reach of the woman in black but i think the principles and and the the idea of once you've done your content has been published that's when the marketing begins yeah and you know the 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 lessons that we can all learn from this sort of thing, I mean, again, the question, do you believe in ghosts? Don't they say, you and I do presentations, we do speeches at conferences, one of the best ways to open a speech is to ask a question. You know, don't go on stage and say, hello, everybody, my name's Roger, and I'm going to talk to you today about marketing, and I've got 25 years of marketing. You go in and hit them with a question. Now, imagine you walk into an auditorium, stand on the stage and say, do you believe in ghosts? You know, you would get a reaction to that, wouldn't you? Mm. And that is the simple genius of this marketing campaign. It leads with that interactive question, and you just can't help but get sucked into answering it. For me, what The Woman in Black represents is, is of course, it's it's true experience to watch the film. Then if you've read the book, you're going to get something additional. Of course, if you've seen the play, as, as I have, you get. And it's really one of those movies where no matter your age, so long as, of course, you're within the, the, the legal age of watching the film, so <laughs> over the age of 12, according to the DVD cover, um, you, you're going to enjoy this because if you're from the, the generation, you and I of, have enjoyed Hammer films, then you, you're thinking, brilliant, I've been waiting. Well, I think the last Hammer movie was done in, in the late 70s, so that's a long time waiting for a new film production because, of course, you know we've seen all the others. If you don't know Hammer films at all because you're very young, you'll know Harry Potter. And so, on. so there's there's a hook for everybody, but then all together as a collective, we just essentially fear for the character of Arthur Kipps as he's discovering more and more about the curse of the woman in black. And the only problem I have with this movie, Pascal, is the ending, mm, which we can't uh, obviously reveal. Which but, we yeah. can't obviously <laughs> reveal. So all I can say is, and this is not in no way would I. Um, discourage people from seeing it but I don't disagree with the, the ending of the movie because it wasn't dramatic or it wasn't shocking it is both those things but I, I genuinely have a problem with the end of the movie which we'll maybe discuss in a, in a separate podcast at a later date but genuinely it is a shocking ending to a very scary film and that's in keeping with the way the film was put together so that's fine it's just that for me I had a few issues with the ending. Now, well, for viewers and listeners, leave your comments in, you know, the usual places in terms of, do you agree with Roger, you know, by the ending? I think I, I, I am agreeing in agreement with you uh, on that one, uh, certainly. But uh, because the rest of the movie, pretty much 99% of it is so, you know, spot on, it's, uh, I forgive, you know, the, the ending. Although uh, there's many, many um, websites writing very lengthy articles by the ending, uh, as, as we well know. Talking of ending, I think yes. sadly we need to, you know, bring episode thirty-five to a close. Can I thank you for being such a brilliant co-host um, as always? And I can can I thank you, viewers and listeners, for your support once again. Please leave your messages, comments, and suggestions in usual places. Until the next one, go out there and make sure your marketing is done right. I was Pascal Fintoni, and he was Roger Edwards. Bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.